on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientolum againom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Today, England versus Ireland. Who has picked the right path out of lockdown? We will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour, will move away from legal restrictions and allow people to make their own informed decisions about how to manage the virus. England is taking a calculated risk, accepting the number of COVID cases will rise substantially in the coming weeks as the Delta variant rips through the unvaccinated. But with mostly young, otherwise healthy people affected, the government sees it as a now or never moment to start living with COVID. I mean, there is an acceptable level of death. 690,000 people died in the UK last year. 90,000 of them died with coronavirus. 600,000 died from different things. People die. We live and we have to die. On this island, the varying restrictions between Northern Ireland and the Republic has caused problems since the start of the pandemic. And the twin track approach to opening up is making cities like Derry and Belfast the hottest destination for many this summer. I think there's a lot of angst among people in the hospitality sector, especially after seeing billboards popping up in border towns, encouraging people to go and wine and dine across the border. With different testing, quarantine and lockdown regimes, the north-south divide is concerning GPs in the border counties who are wondering why the two jurisdictions simply can't work together. When the North was like similar to the UK, well ahead with their vaccine programme and we were well behind compared to them, they were actually talking about wanting restrictions on people travelling from the South to the North. You're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. I'm your host, Kevin Doyle. Freedom Day is coming in England. Darren McCaffrey, political editor with GB News, what exactly is the definition of freedom? Yeah, in many ways, it's a slightly ridiculous term, isn't it, Freedom Day? What does it actually mean? Well, in many ways, it's kind of removing pretty much all the restrictions that are still in place. That means the end of social distancing, so the one metre rule goes, means that my local pub actually around the corner that's too small to open, even with indoor drinking, that means that that can reopen. You can go up to a bar and order a pint. Do you remember those days? So there's no longer table service. You don't have to wear a mask. It goes on public transport in shops. In fact, it's, it's left up to you to decide whether you want to wear one or, or not. It also essentially means that nightclubs reopen. You can go disco dancing and big large scale events like festivals, which I'm planning to go to one at the start of August, can definitely go ahead. So in many ways, It is getting back to life 
as close to normal as we knew it pre-pandemic. Not everything's uh, going to go back to complete normality. Test and trace is going to remain. Uh, and we know, for example, that there's still going to be probably some restrictions, at least for a couple of weeks in terms of foreign travel. But it is life as close to normal as you can probably get. Are there many precautions? We're obviously looking at the television most nights now at a, a semi-full or almost full Wembley Stadium. And you're talking about nightclubs there. Are there antigen tests? Is there anything that has to be done that gets you into those places? Or is it just a free-for-all? I mean, essentially, it will be back to... I wouldn't use the word free-for-all, but it's it, it back to normal. I mean, the government's idea is about personal responsibility, that it is essentially up to us to decide whether we want to wear masks or not. It also means, of course, people probably going back to offices on a much larger scale, but kind of working from home comes to an end. And this all seems like it's kind of this big dramatic day. You, you talked about Freedom Day. The point I would make in regards to this is actually lots of, and there has been a big change in public opinion in the last three or four months, lots of people aren't really being the rules as they stand anyway. So essentially, yeah, we have got gatherings of more than six people in people's homes, clearly watching things like uh, the football in the last couple of weeks. You know, I live in London. I'd say maybe 20 to 30 percent of people are not wearing masks on public transport anyway. Clearly, there are people increasingly going back to the office. And so this idea that it's kind of it's a big bang day in some ways is a bit ridiculous because the rules aren't necessarily being adhered to 100 percent. And even after the 21st of July, there'll still be lots of people like me who will carry on wearing a face mask, whether it's on a busy tube train or in an Uber, for example, and there'll still be people who are pretty cautious about going to things like nightclubs. So in many ways, it's actually this kind of transition period. It's kind of relaxing the rules, allowing you to make your own personal judgments. But that still means that lots of people would adhere to the rules, even though they don't have to. And this is, Kevin, that was the point of Boris Johnson's government on all of this, which kind of the chief medical officers here in the UK have kind of built into or bought into is this this idea, if you don't do this now, when do you do it? Because clearly cases are rising here. That would then lead into the autumn. Doing it in the autumn bumps into the winter, uh, when we know that it's not just going to be COVID, but the common colds and the flu, uh, because we didn't really have that last year, which will be concerned within the National Health Service. So essentially, you would then have restrictions running into 2022. Now, that might sound fine, but from their point of view, is that now this is the time to do it, give people some freedom, and then potentially we need to look at things again in the winter. England is on a high with the uh, idea that football might be coming home, Darren. Is that playing into this at all, that feverish atmosphere? I don't think it is to a degree. I think this would still be happening if it wasn't for the football. Uh, Though in some ways, of course, the football has definitely contributed to high infection rates. Notable that there was a massive spike in Scotland after the uh, the Scottish football games. And I think what has changed to degrees is that the political pressure within the Conservative Party is really quite great on uh, Boris Johnson amongst his backbenchers. That you know, the argument, of course, is Britain's got pretty much the most successful vaccination program in the world. Vaccines are the way out of this. If we're not going to take advantage of it now, when are we? But there is, as you said, an acceptance that case numbers are going to rise and they're already up um, talking about 50,000 cases in, in a very short period of time. If cases rise to that level, is there then also an acceptance 
that debts will start to feature again? Yeah, of course. No, definitely. Uh, and the Prime Minister... Is there an Trump's... acceptable number of debts? Is that basically what the UK government is well, saying? No, I mean, I don't... Well, I mean, there always is. And this is the weird thing. And I think this is where maybe there's a difference between kind of public opinion on the two islands, or at least where I would say there is a difference. I mean, there is an acceptable level of death. 690,000 people died in the UK last year. 90,000 of them died with coronavirus. But 600,000 died from different things. People die. We live and we have to die. Um, the, 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 and the mark for the UK government has been not an acceptable level of death. It's about the healthcare system and whether the National Health Service can cope with the strain. That's always been the marker. And again, I come back to this point is that even though we're looking at infection rates, as you said, reaching 50,000 by potentially uh, the middle of this month, 100,000 next month, the expectation is that that will still remain predominantly among younger people. That's what we're already seeing, the big spike in cases. That means that lots of the people will not go into hospital. Even if they do, it will be for much shorter visits. So the marker is, will the NHS be able to cope with this increased caseload? And, you know, under all the modelling so far, the suggestion is, yes, it can. Does that frankly mean, of course, you're right, that more people will die? You know, talking potentially between 10 to 25,000 in England, it, it does. But the marker throughout this pandemic is not being the number of so-called acceptable deaths. It's about ensuring that the NHS doesn't essentially collapse. Tonish of Radker has been quite critical of Boris Johnson's plan. He's described it as too risky. And he said the prospect of packed theatres in West End and nightclubs in Manchester uh, with big crowds in them, quite frankly, to us in this country, um, it's worrying because if it goes wrong, we'll be hit by the spillover effects. How do you think that kind of a message from Leo Varadkar would go down in the English government? Well, I mean, I think to a large degree, you know, that, I mean, publicly, of course, they were just saying it's up to the Irish government to decide what they want to do. I mean, in many ways, of course, you're right, whether it was with the, with the so-called Kent variant or indeed uh, the Delta variant, you know, Britain in many ways has, it has spilled over, but, but that's true of the rest of Europe. We're now starting to see um, cases rising quite significantly in the Paris region because of the Delta variant, also in Spain, Portugal, and other places. I mean, the Delta variant is now and will be over the coming weeks will become the dominant variant throughout the whole of Europe. Uh, and that will, of course, apply to Ireland. Ireland's obviously been a lot more cautious than not just Britain. And I think, you know, for a lot of Irish people, there's a lot of kind of looking across the water to Britain and actually not to elsewhere in Europe. I mean, lots of the restrictions elsewhere in Europe have been massively relaxed in, in recent months. In many ways, they've actually relaxed much quicker than they have in the UK, even with lower vaccination rates. And so Ireland's caution is not just an outlier when it's compared to Britain, it's an outlier when it's compared to the rest of Europe. To bolster their argument for keeping restrictions on the hospitality sector, Neffet have pointed to a case in Waterford where more than 200 COVID cases were linked to one outbreak at a pub. The Irish Independent's Amy Malloy investigated this case. Yeah, so this is linked to basically a funeral which took place around two and a half weeks ago. Um, so the owners of a pub sadly lost a relative and obviously the funeral took place and up to a dozen people gathered at their pub for outdoor drinks after the ceremony. Um, and obviously people had travelled kind of from all over to, to go to the funeral and some COVID cases arose from this um, now, Neffet highlighted this at their briefing last week and said that it led to up to 200 cases in the community because obviously 
people had mild symptoms they were going out into shops they were going into other places and they said that it just led to this massive outbreak um but when I spoke to locals in Dungarvan they kind of felt that it was unfair that one pub kind of got blamed for the outbreak as such because when I spoke to businesses they said it wasn't just this pub you know other businesses had seen outbreaks across the last couple of weeks West Waterford has been thriving over the last while. There's been good weather. It's a popular tourist hotspot and, you know, people have been coming from all over. Um, so they kind of felt that it was unfair, particularly in a week where the reopening of hospitality was pushed back indefinitely. You know, they said that this outbreak, they've been battling it for two weeks and they felt that why is it only being flagged now as such? But if that was used to highlight an isolated incident linked to the hospitality sector, public health officials have been much more outspoken I guess about what is happening in the border regions particularly in Donegal between Donegal and Derry as was highlighted by Dr Anthony Breslin uh, the HSC's Director of Public Health for the area on Highland Radio Delta is the area and we're not surprised because the border sort of means nothing there um, that's what has been for centuries and uh, if you've got cases in one location and people are going there you're going to get cases in the other location Amy, you also have been reporting on and speaking to a lot of people up in the Donegal area. What exactly is the situation there? Yeah, there's a lot of concern in Donegal at the moment. Obviously, Bunkrana has the highest infection rate in the country at the moment, with 608 cases per 100,000 of the population. And then Carindona, which is just 20 minutes away, has the third highest infection rate in the country. Um, there's no there's no surprise that this has happened. You know, Bunkrana is very, very close to Derry. And, you know, Derry also has one of the highest infection rates in Northern Ireland at the moment. Like people crossing from Derry to Bunkrana and vice versa. It's just a way of life up there and people are going to visit family and work but then obviously there is the, the kind of issue of the conflicting restric- restrictions regarding hospitality. And that's why it's kind of held up as an example of what can happen because there is much more than anecdotal evidence. I think you speak to people it's pretty obvious that there is an awful lot of people travelling from Donegal into Derry because the pubs are open there and the restaurants are open there. Yeah, and like I've spoken to a lot of publicans in border towns over the last while and something they're a bit aggrieved about lately is the fact that billboards are popping up in in border towns, kind of encouraging people to go across the border and there's pictures of people inside restaurants enjoying their indoor dining and essentially telling people to go to the likes of Newry, the likes of Derry City to avail of the looser restrictions, so to speak. Um, um, But yeah, it does seem that it's not coincidental that the North is seen in spike in cases when their hospitality restrictions are a lot looser than we're seeing in the Republic. It is understandable though, isn't it? It's human nature. Let's be honest. The temptation of a short drive for people from Donegal into Derry or other parts along the border to go into Northern Ireland and avail of hospitality, it's 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 too much of a temptation after so long uh, being barred from those places. And, you know, we were hearing stories that trains... Um, up from Dublin and elsewhere are also full up to Belfast for the day. And Amy, you're among those who are kind of eyeing up a good night out in Northern Ireland. Yeah, so I'm hoping to finally get to see Jerry Cinnamon live in action, third time lucky. Um, but yeah, so basically, like I got tickets to see him back in 2019 and he was due to play last summer. Obviously, that got postponed. It was due to go ahead this summer and he pushed back all his dates again. But he's actually planning to go ahead with his two Belfast dates in September, whereas his dates in Killarney and Dublin have been pushed back until 2022. 
So obviously, like music promoters are looking at the situation at the moment and thinking, okay, there's definitely a better chance of this going ahead in the north at the moment, the way things are going and the way they're looking at restrictions up there. So while I have a vested interest and I do hope that the gig goes ahead, it is interesting to see just the different approaches, you know. Dr. Alona Duffy, Monaghan GP, what are you seeing in the border region today that maybe you weren't seeing two or three weeks ago or even two or three months ago? Well, for weeks and weeks, I've lost track of how many weeks we had seen a dramatic reduction in the numbers of people who were ringing us with COVID-type symptoms. And better still, we'd had no positive COVID cases for at least probably two months. Unfortunately, this week, we've already had three positive cases so far, and we're definitely seeing a rise in the number of people who are contacting us. And given your location, I guess, what do you think is driving that? Is it that the Delta strain, it's much more infectious? Or is it the fact that we thought we were coming out the other side of this and that maybe people are just not being as careful? I think there there are a few factors at play. We have outdoor dining, we have outdoor socialising in pubs and things. But that does mean people are gathering together. And while it's outdoor, people are definitely closer to one another. And some of the outdoors um, is debatable whether it's really outdoors. If you have a marquee with some sides up, you're probably finding you're not getting the, the real airflow that would be getting rid of or spreading the, the virus so that it's non-contagious. We also know that Delta, the Delta variant is much more contagious than previous versions of the COVID virus. Our concern on the border region is that throughout COVID, we're really disadvantaged uh, by being on the border. Through the numbers in the north were always way higher per capita than in the southern in the southern part of the country. And that definitely affected our figures in all the border counties from Donegal to Monaghan to Laos. And there is concern that that's going to, to happen again to us here in Monaghan. And even now, we obviously have different restrictions, different levels of openness on either side of the border. And is that having an impact? Are are you seeing patients who perhaps have gone for a, a night out in Northern Ireland and have then come back across and discovered that maybe they have symptoms afterwards? Um, I personally haven't had cases that are reflecting that, but I think it's only a matter of time. And um, Indoor dining, indoor socialising is happening in the north and already along the border areas there, there's one pub locally uh, across the border near Monaghan that reopened that had been closed prior to COVID and actually reopened recently. And we know that young people are gathering there. There are no masks, there are no restrictions with regard to numbers sitting together and that that can only lead to one thing ultimately all you need is one person to seed that group with covid virus and everybody will end up becoming infected and obviously they're going to bring that home and it means that those who are unprotected are likely to get sicker throughout the pandemic i think a lot of doctors like yourself have called for uh, more working together or an all-island approach in terms of the way the regime in Northern Ireland and in the Republic operates. But still today, we have a different testing regime. We have different quarantine rules. We have different lockdown rules. Have you given up on that idea of an all-island approach at this stage? Well, one would have hoped when we were at the peak of the problem, and especially after Christmas, when we were all seeing such large rises in the COVID figures, that that would have been the wake-up time for, for everybody. And that some of agreement would have been sought between the north and between the south so that we could at least agree on things because we have to remember we're an all-Ireland 
country. That's just it. And people are moving across the border for all kinds of reasons. It's not just because they're choosing to go there and socialize, but also because people have family on one side of the border. They may work on the other side of the border and live on, the, you know, in the south, work in the north. So therefore, they are mingling and mixing. So we did and we always have needed an all-Ireland approach. And I think Professor Gabriel Scali has been really strong in his advice on this. But clearly, um, that isn't being listened to. And, and I think it, it seems to be always be to our disadvantage in the South to date. And it is interesting that when the North was like similar to the UK, well ahead with their vaccine programme, and we were well behind compared to them, they were actually talking about wanting restrictions on people travelling from the South to the North. So it was interesting how they were willing to look at a kind of seeing the impact the other way around. But here we are again, seeing the rates rising in the north, partially because a lot of the people who got vaccinated have only got their one dose, whereas here in the south, we've done really well and that we've a huge percentage who are fully vaccinated and therefore less contagious and likely to spread it. But again, we still haven't any agreement on it. And and I think, you know, we know absolutely we're not going to be able to put a border into place and stop people trans transferring themselves across the border one way or another. But at least if we had some agreement on testing, on some agreement on vaccination, and obviously basic things like the contact tracing, because we know that if you happen to test to meet somebody who's in the north and who's tested positive the contact tracing doesn't include you in the south and therefore you won't be getting those calls to get yourself tested and that was something that was had been agreed on that there would be closer contacts between our public health departments in the north and in the south and that just again doesn't seem to be working even now over a year later but whatever about the north uh, a lot of people are looking at england with huge envy and hearing all this talk of freedom day would you have concerns, I suppose, to, on two counts? One, that we consume so much British media that we're now going to be looking at people on trains, on buses, in shopping centres, um, on nights out, without masks, without social distancing, and that perhaps that could feed into our psyche here and, and drive that debate about how quickly we should be coming out the other side in terms of the restrictions. And then secondly, I suppose, what risks that poses more generally for the situation here, because they seem to be accepting that their numbers are going to skyrocket. But England seems to think they can live with that in a way that the Irish public health officials and indeed the Irish government don't. Well, I think, you know, the, the advice here has always been, and I suppose from Neffet and and that's what we're kind of really following is that it is about trying to vaccinate as many people as possible. I think the reality of it is we now have a Delta variant. We're going to have multiple other variants. That's just going to be life. And But if we kind of feel that at least these variants um, don't lead to a rapid rise in hospitalizations, don't lead to a rapid rise in deaths, that if we know that people are protected from severe illness with it, at some stage, we probably will have to accept that we're going to have to live with COVID in all its forms and that perhaps as time goes on, it becomes a less severe illness and becomes like the annual flu or it becomes like other repeated viral illnesses that we see coming in cycles to our countries. But I suppose at this point in time, we still feel we haven't crossed that threshold of feeling that we can make a decision on that and that's probably still going to be down to the vaccination program and if we can see more and more of our adults vaccinated and then looking at other groups perhaps our teenagers and working downwards and knowing that they're vaccinated and therefore knowing that those who are likely to get sick won't get sick at that stage i think it's going to have to be acceptable that we will open up and we'll start to see things come back to a more normal way of life you were listening to in focus the current affairs podcast from independent.ie 
produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Gordon Hayden, and sound designed by Dara Kelly. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you can read all the latest news and analysis relating to the COVID-19 pandemic on independent.ie and in the Irish Independent. Music